The following presentation was recorded at the Buddhist Society of Victoria, Malvern East, Australia. Please visit our website at bsv.net.au. Okay, so after this, in my mind I was thinking it should be followed by a lion dance. <laughs> Are we having a lion dance here today? Yes? No? 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 Oh, okay, yeah. Lion, uh, uh, the Lunar New Year without the lion dance doesn't seem to be complete. We already have been deprived of lighting firecrackers. Now, all these things have their meanings behind, okay? Now, today, I just thought that perhaps um, it is relevant to, to talk about how the New Year celebrations, it's regardless of whether it's Lunar New Year or the Gregorian New Year or Sri Lanka New Year, whatever New Year, Thai New Year, whatever, yeah? whether we can find Dhamma in it or not. And definitely, for, as far as I'm concerned, Dhamma is everywhere in all these celebrations. Yep. So I, for me, I perceive Lord Buddha's teaching as not only just for uh, self-improvement or self-purification especially, but also for the harmony of family, for society, for the community, for the country's peace, and also for world peace. His teachings is not just for monastics. Oh, please take a seat. Is that Kora? No, it's not Kora. I thought it's Kora. Yeah. Okay. Please take a seat. Welcome. You make yourself comfortable. Right. Thank you. So, so, um, I have to admit that I really didn't come here prepared for the talk today because I was just so busy with a lot of other things. So I just hope that my mic can be collected enough to go through today's talk without uh, being too scattered. Okay, so please do forgive me if you can't make any sense of what I'm saying. Right, so yes, just now I was just uh, talking to uh, Ajahn Isaruno uh, when he was saying, oh, you all are wearing red. Now what's the reason for that? Right, so... Uh, all these things actually also reminds me of a story that the Buddha mentioned, perhaps not in the Theravada tradition, but perhaps I've heard it from the Mahayana tradition. Now, what happened to the Chinese New Year is Chinese New Year, I'm talking about Chinese New Year, Lunar New Year, I'm talking about Chinese New Year because um, my forefathers are from China and... Um, I think even Aya uh, from Vietnam and Aya from Hong Kong, I think your parents probably were from China too, right? Most of our parents uh, uh, were from China. So that's the reason why we are so used to uh, labeling it Chinese New Year. But actually, it's a lunar New Year, according to the, the dates according to the moon's new moon day. And today is the first new moon, the first new moon day for, for the lunar New Year. Yesterday was our Upostade, the new moon day for the Sangha forest tradition. Yesterday, we, we did our Upostata yesterday. And Ajahn had to give us an Ovada way before so that he can come yesterday yeah so the 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 dates and all that are according to different countries interpretation and how they read the the moon and the stars and all that so lunar new year celebrated in china china has its um legends and stories behind so let's start with why everyone is doing red and why are the decorations mostly in red it's not red enough in here <laughs> okay now the story is something like this, as far as my memory can serve me right, okay? What happened was that in the province in, in China a long, long time ago, every time it is uh, the eve of the lunar first day, right, there's this monster, a beast, who will come up 
it was supposed, uh, according to legend, it was supposed to live in the sea, and uh, on Chinese New Year Day, it will come out from the sea, and it will come to the village to look for children and eat the children. Right? So every time it's Chinese New Year's Day, uh, Eve, the villagers will all uh, hide somewhere, hoping to save the family and hoping to save the children. Because not only does this beast eat the children, he will also destroy properties and everything else. So it was a really destructive monster. Until one day, there appears one very elderly man, right, who told the uh, villagers, you all go and hide. I'll go and hide. I'm going to deal with this monster to, uh, once and for all, right? So um, what he did was he prepared um, everything uh, with uh, red color. Most of the things that he used were in red color. And he also stuffed some kind of explosive into bamboo cuts. You know, bamboo with this hollow inside, so I do not know uh, how he managed to do it, but he actually stuffed something uh, into the bamboo. And when this beast actually came along, First, when he saw the red, he was hesitant. Second thing, this elderly man littered up the bamboo um, what, uh, uh, stuff with all the explosives, and it started to blow off. Bang, 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 explosives. And it really, really uh, frightened the, the, the beast off. So that was why it is called Guo Nian. The beast in Chinese means it's called Nian. The beast is called Nian. So because of this incident, the, this, this elderly man managed to scare this beast away. And from legend, it says that after the occasion, it never come back ever again. So the next day, on the first day of New Year, when the villagers all came out from their hiding, they were so surprised to find that the elderly man was still there, not harmed. The, the properties and other things were not uh, damaged, and the children were all safe. So they were so, so, so grat grateful to this man. So of course, after this occasion, the man just disappeared. So it was actually believed that this man is actually a divine being who came to save the villagers. Okay, now, how does it relate to the Buddhist stories? I'm not sure, Ajahn, I'm not sure whether the Theravada has this story or not, but in the Mahayana, this is a very uh, 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 popular story where uh, during the Buddha's time, Right? There's this yaksha, and he, she has to come out and uh, uh, eat, uh, bring some children for her yaksha children to eat. Right? So the, the, the people were very scared of this yaksha. I, I, it was not on Chinese New Year's Day or anything. It was just that when she needed uh, food for herself and children, she would have to come out and get some children from the village. So of course the villagers approached the Lord Buddha and asked Lord Buddha what can be done. So the Buddha actually asked um, his uh, uh, followers to try and see whether they can uh, catch some, uh, the children of this yaksha, right, and hide the children in a safe place. So when the yaksha couldn't find her children, she was really desperate and really worried. So she actually went to look for the Buddha to say that, you know, my children are missing. You know, I feel so worried. What, what's happening to them and all that? So the Buddha actually asked her, now do you know how the, the parents of those children feel when you actually come here and steal their children for your children to eat? Yeah, but they say, I have no other way. There's no other people or and no being who offered food to me. So what can I do? This is the only way I know to survive. So the Buddha says, okay, in that case, I will ask my uh, uh, renouncing um, disciples to make sure that they offer food to you every day. Now this actually, Ajahn, it happens in the Chinese monastery every day in the Mahayana monastery. Um, morning, 
morning chant after morning chant, before lunch offering, in, uh, noon time before noon, evening time, three times a day, the, the uh, monastics of the monastery will do offering through visualization to the beings who need food. It is happening right up to this day in all Mahayana monasteries. So that is a story that is so similar to the, the, the story of uh, the Buddha's time where the yaksha need, needed something to eat. Now, of course, in this Chinese um, New, Year's, New Year's Eve story, there isn't a follow-up to say what happened to the yaksha or whether you know it had uh, found itself another way to, to fulfill uh, the, the hunger and other. it wasn't mentioned. But what was mentioned is that after that incident, the, the villagers and all people uh, around China, when they heard of this incident, they started to wear red. And every New Year's Eve, there's a lot of firecrackers going on. Yeah. So firecrackers were banned only because they started to burn up houses, started to hurt people. Even in Singapore, every time when I was young, I can still remember, firecrackers would go through, you know, just be fired through the whole night overnight. Yeah. Now that is mainly to scare off the evil spirits. That's the belief that all this noise will scare off the evil spirits. So this is the 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 start of the new year. Okay. So guanian meanings meaning uh, able to overcome the beast called nian, and also because the year is called nian, guanian means guo. Guo is to cross over, cross over from the old year into the new year, and today is. What, how we are celebrating the first day of the new year. All right. Now, there's another occasion uh, that uh, gives this kind of joy and uh, what I call uh, happiness and uh, generosity going around uh, on the first day of new year. In fact, even before new year starts, but usually on the first day of the lunar new year. Now, do you all know whose birthday it is today? Again, it's found in the Mahayana uh, monastery. You will, you will find, I'm not sure about here last night in Singapore, on the eve, about 12 midnight, okay? I think it's probably the same in Hong Kong or Taiwan or, or China. Before the, the, the stroke of 12 midnight, okay, people will be rushing to the monastery to offer an incense or some kind of offerings to who? Our next Buddha. Today is Maitreya's Buddha's birthday. Yeah, so Maitreya's uh, image is uh, supposed to be someone who is plump, big stomach, always cheerful. I think some of them have a little uh, like Christmas father knapsack behind his back where he gives gifts away. That's why on the first day of New Year, it's always a lot of joy, a lot of giving, a lot of happiness, sharing, caring, everything there. It's Maitreya, uh, 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 the uh, next Buddha Maitreya uh, Bodhisattva's birthday. Uh, now, how did they arrive at that date? I have no idea. But this has been celebrated every year in the Chinese monastery. So the first day of New Year, you'll find that a lot of Buddhists actually will come in busloads to visit all the monasteries that they can really visit on the first day of New Year. I'm not sure whether you'll find busloads of people coming in here today or not. Don't be surprised if you do. Yeah, it is, it is a good way to start the year off. Okay, being holy, 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 right? To be, to be connected with the Holy Triple Jam and also to do some kind of offerings and all that. Well, I'm not asking for donations, okay? <laughs> all right, now these are just the things that most of us will do on the first day of New Year. Okay, now, 
when I talk about material, birth, uh, material bodhisattvas image in Singapore, the, the statues, uh, whether it's wooden carved or, or whatever, in whatever forms and material, they always have this plum, smiling Lord Buddha, uh, the material Buddha with a big stomach. And a lot of people who go to the monastery will do offerings, give an uh, offering of uh, incense and candles. And then what do they do? They will go to the uh, statue and rub the stomach for good luck. Big stomach, full of generosity and, and all the happiness there. Who does that remind you of? I'm quite sure you all know this person. Ajahn Brahm? Yes! Ajahn Brahm! He's always so happy. He's always connecting with people, always making people laugh, right? He's like Maitreya Bodhisattva. Now, please don't go and start rubbing his stomach, okay? Poor Ajahn Brahm. He will have to go into hiding. Yeah. Yeah. Ashram Brahm is really someone who reminds us of Maitreya Buddha. Yeah, who is, I mean, in the Chinese monasteries, he's depicted as somebody with a big stomach, very cheerful, always making people laugh, giving happiness, and teaching people to be good. Yeah, so it's, it's just like Ashram Brahm. <laughs> okay, now please don't go and start rubbing his stomach, okay? Whoever is out there in, in Perth, I think Ashram Brahm is in Perth today, so please don't start to rub his Ajahn, uh, Ajahn Brahm's stomach, okay? Uh, it's only through our own practice that we can have all these blessings, not through rubbing somebody's stomach. All right, so all these are just beliefs. Now, what has all this festive uh, uh, celebration got to do with the teachings of Lord Buddha? Now, when... Uh, even Ajahn was actually wishing the, uh, our Chinese uh, uh, devotees here, sing the Enquirer, means uh, Happy New Year, right? Now, then, uh, you know, we have all these, all this, uh, what do you call that? Uh, couplets, yes. Yeah. What is that one? Uh, ping an means whether you come or go, right? May you be safe. And this one, I think I have it correct, right? Those who know Chinese, if I'm wrong, please, please correct me. Correct? Okay, good. And one Rui means, may you be successful in whatever you do. Well, of course, those has to be a very wholesome endeavors, right? One Rui. One Su means immeasurable. One means 10,000, but it's really not just a figure, but wishing people, may you be successful. Now, there are a lot of um, uh, what you call uh, writings all around, wishing everyone to be well, happy, successful, and prosperity. Now, don't, some, some of us must say, that, oh, as a nun, why are you talking about money? Don't we need money? We don't need money. The Buddha speaks about how to make sure that the family members, those who earn money, divide their income into four parts. It's all found in the suttas. So money is important for us right now. Okay? The Buddha did not say you give up everything. Only for monastics you give up everything. But if you're a householder, the Buddha did mention that how do you protect your wealth? Who can steal your wealth? How do you earn your income? Through right livelihood. Now, all these things, all these festive uh, celebrations, the, the good wishes that we actually uh, greet each other with on, at the beginning of the day, is all what? Right speech. Am I right? It's right speech. May you be well and happy. Not just because we learn the Metta Sutta, then you start to t ask, tell people, may you be well and happy. Even without the Metta Sutta, we can still wish people to be well and happy. Right? May you be successful. You see, every time we want to do something, we say, I'll oh, cross my fingers, I hope it will happen. I hope, oh, yes, yes, we hope that it will happen. All the best, I will pick up all the best. Now, all these are right speech, good intentions. So this is Dhamma. We don't ce celebrate our daily uh, livelihood with Dhamma. Dhamma is everywhere, through body, speech, and mind. Right? So 
uh, what else do I need to talk about now? Is somebody saying something? Okay. Now, Ajahn? Oh, outside. Okay. Okay. Now, uh, um, so so uh, the 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 uh, celebrations of um, of uh, New Year, whether it is uh, Sri Lankan New Year or, or our uh, just recent first uh, of January and all that. Now, all these things has to a lot to do with um, what you call thankfulness, appreciation, gratefulness. Okay. Now. Um, I'm not sure about the the Western world, but in the Chinese New Year, I think in Vietnam, do you do that? Because I have to talk about Lunar New Year. Do you go house visiting on the first day? You visit your your elders. Hong Kong too? Hong Kong too? You visit your elders? The younger people have to visit the elders and then give them give them some gifts and all that, right? And then also um, when um, when you have workers in your company or when we have like road sweepers or someone who is here uh, to help us co collect our rubbish and all those things, our postmen, usually we, um, before the, the New Year, because usually New Year's they, they don't work, so we always give them what we call an ang pao, a red packet, yeah, in, with money in there and some gifts also. What is that for? is an appreciation of what they have been doing for us. Right? Everyone has been of service to someone. Right? Like all of us are always doing something for each other. So a lot of times it's very sad to see that we only give gifts to those uh, who, who, who are very close to us and all those things. And we tend to overlook those people who work very hard for us. Right? So this is a time actually... Uh, not only to celebrate within the family, within the relatives and friends and all that, which is actually according to the uh, Sigala Voda Sutta, how we have to take care of the family and, and uh, relatives and friends and all that. All these things are related in the suttas that the Buddha taught. But what I'm trying to emphasize is that when we actually want to show gratefulness, we don't just show gratefulness to those people who are like on the top of the social ladder. Those people who are clearing our rubbish bins, those people who are sweeping the, uh, the roads for us, those who are delivering our mails. Uh, what else is here in Australia? I have no idea. Um, so all these people, why can't we give them a gift to say thank you? Of course, the, the argument is that, oh yeah, they're all paid. Of course they are paid. But what about the extra personal touch? Thank you so much for doing all these things for us throughout the year. So these are things that often is overlooked. The people at the top gets all the gifts and they don't want the gifts, they give it away because they don't need it. But people, people who are uh, working so hard just to make ends meet, they rarely get all this kind of gratitude and appreciation. So is that Dhamma? To me, yes, it's Dhamma. Where is our, our uh, compassion and uh, uh, what do you call uh, metta, especially to those who have benefited us? We always take things for granted. As Ajahn used to say in his talks, we, we take things for granted. So the people who, are, who, like for instance today, right? Today here. If we don't have our dear Sri Juth and the AAV team and IT team and the uh, BSV committee, the venerables, the volunteers who are still working hard to prepare a sumptuous meal for everybody afterwards, without all these people, the committee members, the, uh, the IT team, the volunteers yeah, who put up all the decorations and all that just to give you an atmosphere of the New Year celebration, without them, we probably wouldn't be able to come to such a gathering. 
And once again, it's not just Chinese New Year. Every Sunday that we come, who are the people who are working behind the scenes? Do we really acknowledge them? Do we say thank you? All these things are there. The people who are actually quietly donating, right? Not expecting anything in return, just as long as BSV NBM is operating, people can come and listen to the Dharma, like for NBM, uh, people who are working so hard just to keep the place open so that everyone who has time can go and practice with us, even uh, just to practice the eight precepts and all that, and to meditate quietly. Oh my goodness, they are so, so grateful to be given that kind of opportunity. So all the people working behind the scenes, we often take for granted. Yeah. All right. So all these things, all this um, um, celebration, all these uh, festivals, actually uh, opportunities for us to really say thank you, take the extra mile to say thank you, and then also um, to to uh, show that uh, what they have done for us is really acknowledged, and we really are very grateful for what they have been doing for us. Yep. And it it really makes that person's life much more happier and more, uh, what they call, positive in the direction that they know that, well, yes, I have been paid, but at least there are, there are some people who really feel the significance of what I'm doing. It's very important, right? So all these things are Dhamma. Festive season, they are Dhamma. Now, what else is happening in, in, in the New Year? Yeah, lion dance and, and dragon dance. Yeah, Ajahn was saying that in BSWA, because they have a big um, uh, area in the, in the uh, monastery, so they can have all those dances. No, I remember we had one here, lion dance, and everyone was so delighted to be part of the lion dance. Yeah, but um, we have to be very, very uh, uh, fortunate to be able to get a troop who is not going to charge us very, very high prices because they are in high demands. But today I still haven't uh, hear any, any drums or cymbals going on in the roads. It, it usually happens today. I'm not sure whether it's banned or anything like that, is it? Lion dance and usually at this time of the day, you can hear all the gong 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 everywhere, <laughs> all the drums and all the cymbals and all the lions and dragons performing here and there. Yeah. So, what is the significance of the lion dance and dragon? Yeah. So, in Buddhism, what is the loudest and most powerful roar? The lions roar. <laughs> lions. Right, lions, they are very powerful, they are mighty. Yeah, and they, they are the, 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 the being that all other animals look up to. Yeah, so in our Chinese tradition, of course, the lion and of course the dragon, which I believe is also referred to as the naga in, in Buddhism, dragons, okay, they are supposed to be mighty and powerful beings. And they are here to hopefully uh, uh, read the atmosphere of all the um, negative energy. That's why a lot of um, uh, New Year um, celebrations, especially for the big companies or big organizations, um, uh, I always refer to Ajahn Brahm, who is always having this every year, um, having all this lion dance and dragon dance there. First and foremost, it gets people together. Whether you're Chinese or not, everybody loves to see the lion performance. Everybody loves to see the uh, dragon dance performance. Now that gets people together. Now what does that remind us of? multicultural, uh, what you call, uh, inter, uh, interaction. And that's what Australia is all about, right? 
Australia is promoting all this kind of um, um, what you call intercultural uh, grants and all those things uh, just to ensure that you know we of different ethnicity can come together, accept one another's um, culture, and then also be part of the culture. And that's how we can have a social and communal kind of uh, peace and harmony and respect for one another. As as especially if they are those that is very harmless. Of course, if um, anyone say, hey, today is a special day, let's go kill a sheep or uh, kill, what do you call it, a, a goat or something like that. Of course, you know, I, this is something that we wouldn't do, right? But something like, uh, it's like giving or organizing uh, a charity uh, um, food for, for the, uh, the underprivileged or whatever now, I think right now in Singapore, a lot of um, underprivileged children and all those uh, poorer section of Singapore, they are all invited to be given a very nice meal, which they rarely get because it's just so difficult to make ends meet when you are sick, when your family does not have the financial capacity to really give you all the luxuries in life and all that. So once a year during this period, the government, the what do you call NGOs, yeah, uh, they they actually will start to group together and uh, put their, um, what I call, pull all their resources together and make sure that everybody who comes here is given a gift and some kind of um, ang baos and all that. So, so, so this is, this is again uh, referring to the Buddha's teaching on generosity, right? And also loving kindness. We, a lot of times we do not know who the recipients are. They are just referred to by the uh, welfare section of the government's department that these people are the ones who are registered with us and they need financial help. So once in a while, we can do all these things. I'll be so happy if BSV one day can do all these things. But I'm quite sure uh, Centrelink is doing better than any of us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but in Singapore, it's very hard to get um, the extra, uh, what we call social uh, benefits if you cannot convince the governments that you really need them. They really do a very thorough check on uh, the applicants to make sure that you really deserve the help from the, the government because the government's money is from the taxes of the citizens and they cannot just misuse it. So all these things are things that maybe one day we can do, taking care of those underprivileged and all that. Is I still remember um, during the COVID period, right? There are lots of people with no homes. There are lots of people who are still sleeping on the street, streets in, I think, uh, the city area. And um, uh, dear old Ada, who used to, who is still uh, 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 always supporting us with food and cooking and all that, Ada will always just collect whatever extras um, uh, NBM has in the freezer or whatever, whatever extras we have. She will turn them into sumptuous food. And then she'll send it to those areas to just give the boxes out to the people who don't have food. Now, for us, we have been supported very well. Many of us here actually do not have any, uh, what I call, a lack of food or shelter or anything. Most of us, I don't think so here, right? We are well provided. But there are lots of people who are still sleeping in the streets. No blankets, no, no family to go to and all those things. Now, these are the people. Right, whom we can think of during all this festive season. Not only festive season, but especially festive season because we are all here enjoying ourselves and then those are the people who do not get all the support from their family or friends or anybody else. Or sometimes I think it's just that they do not know how to approach the authorities or agencies for help. We have no idea, but there are people around who really need our help. So the festive season is again another opportunity for us to take care of one another. Yeah, it gives us a chance, you see, uh, to, to generate good karma, 
right? Now we are not talking about working for the sake of karma. Yeah. Important thing is that quality of the heart is there. That we know we are we are we are very uh, uh, we are limit, limit, limited. Is it uh, in our cap, uh, capability to help others? But at least there's uh, a distance we can go. So we do it within our means. Yeah. So all these are uh, good opportun- opportunities for us to put the uh, Buddha's teachings into action. All right. So um, again, um, when it comes to all these uh, um, festive um, celebrations and all those things, the other thing is um, uh, I was mentioning about uh, gratefulness and gratitude. Um, uh, as we were mentioning, usually on the first day of New Year, we will bring our family members, especially when we are of a younger generation or we are juniors in the family, we will bring uh, our if we have children or family members, we'll bring the whole family uh, to to visit our parents. First of all, if we are not staying with them, our grandparents, uh, whoever is more senior to us, uncles and those who are senior to us. So uh, the first two to three days of New Year, Lunar New Year, is very busy for us juniors. If you are born as the last in the family of seven or nine, good luck to you. You have to spend a whole two or three days visiting them. Out of what? Out of respect out of gratitude. And all these visits actually bring the family together, the bonding, right? So it's important. A country without families, without what we call a jia, uh, in Chinese we call it guajia uh, means country. Then the big country actually is made up of all the little families, all the homes. You need to have a very harmonious home to have a harmonious society, to have a harmonious country, right? And then if every country does that, then you have a harmonious universal kind of world, yeah? So it's all our duties. It's all, it's all the Dhamma, the Buddha's teaching. Yeah, it's loving kindness, not only to ourselves, but to everyone else, yep. So... When we go visiting, what do we normally hold? Again, something missing here. I think, um, who is that? Cecily couldn't do it because I heard that it's so hard to get. So I, I find uh, oranges here. Now, usually, usually what they do is they put mandarins. Uh, this is good enough. You know why? Usually when we go visiting, all right, we take a couple of mandarins, okay? Signifying what? Symbolizing what? Gold. Gum. Gum in Cantonese, I think, is it means gold. So that is wishing you, may you prosper in the new year, right? May you prosper in the new year. And then we, perhaps we have something like sweets and all that. May you have a sweet and uh, what do you call, um, uh, easy life, right? For new year, without all those hindrances. So everything that is sweet, you love it, isn't it? Right? So new year or whatever, when we are given something sweet, it actually symbolizes something. Uh, may you be at ease, may you be comfortable, may you be at peace and all those things, right? So usually in New Year, we don't give something that is very bitter to anybody, right? So all these things are also good wishes coming from the heart. It's, it's also part of uh, loving kindness, unconditional love. You wish everybody on the road, Happy New Year, Happy New Year, Singing Kuala, and all that. What we have been doing this morning over there, there's really an atmosphere of Chinese New Year over there because of the decorations or the food that's being prepared, right? So all these things are there. Now, so Chinese New Year actually starts on the eve 
of the old year, of, of the new year, I mean on the last day of the old year, and then cross over to the new year. Now, that's another very important um, practice uh, for Lunar New Year. And what is that? It's remembering our departed relatives. On the eve, or, or on the, on, usually it's on the eve of the new year. Usually the families will remember their departed loved ones. So, of course, in the Chinese tradition, um, they don't have this kind of dedication of merits and all that. So, they, usually what they do is they have the photos of our departed loved ones at home. So, sometimes in our family, we'll have like photos of our great-grandfather, grandfather, parents, uh, whoever, yeah. Or otherwise, they'll write out in a little tablet all the, all the names of the departed loved ones who have passed away. And they usually try to do offerings to them, right? Now... This is again uh, the Buddha's teaching on remembering the, the, the departed loved ones uh, who have already done their part to take care of us. Well, most of them do, actually. And this is the time when, after uh, they're passing away, they may need the family members to perform merits on their behalf. Right. So nowadays, a lot of people actually uh, have the um, uh, ashes of their departed loved ones in Buddhist monasteries. Buddhist monasteries, especially in Singapore where land is so scarce, you know, we have to actually uh, exhume all our, our buried uh, uh, departed relatives and then cremate them and put the ashes into the uh, what are called columbariums and all that so that every year, uh, like so-called uh, Qingming, which is an All Souls Day or before Chinese New Year's first day, people will just go and pay respect to, to remember the loved ones who have taken care of us in the family. Yeah, so again, this is taking care of what? The gratefulness part of us, from children to uh, parents, especially grandparents and all that. This is all what we all call filial piety, which is such an important aspect in a Chinese family. Filial piety. Right? So all these things is very deeply rooted in the teachings of Buddhism. The Buddha has mentioned so strongly how how difficult it is to repay the kindness of our parents, right? Even if you let them stand on your shoulder, you still can't repay the kindness. So all, all these are teachings of Lord Buddha, which has not been taught to the Chinese, but which was already being practiced. Probably the, the, the Chinese or the those other uh, culture who are doing all this kind of... Um, um, uh, re remembering the departed relatives, probably they don't even know that this is actually the Buddha's teaching about how we have to take care of our loved ones, our, our parents and all that. It's all called philopathy, but it is actually a very strong quality in the, in the Chinese uh, culture. Yeah. So again, festive season, we may be very busy every day working and being committed to other things, but at least during the festive season, we still remember, oh, okay, my parents have passed away and I really am so grateful for them to have brought me out into this world, giving me an education, teaching me the values of life and now paving the way for me. Like for me, I always feel that my parents actually were the ones who really, really taught me well. Uh, even those in the Vinaya rules, when I opened up my Vinaya rules, I was like, wow, many of them were already taught to me by my parents. Yeah. So they already set me on the path towards purification. So this is the reason why all the more we want to really uh, thank them yeah, for giving us this kind of guidance in our life, not, not leading us into something that is unwholesome, but something into a very wholesome direction. Yeah. So these are the opportunities that we are given during all these festive celebrations. Okay, as I say, not only in Chinese New Year, in every celebration, 
Now, what else did I miss out on? Mm. Okay, giving of ang paos, another very important uh, 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 culture in the Chinese, right? Now, of course, for for those in in our culture, those who are not married don't need to give red packets to anyone, no matter how old you are. You get them. You don't give them. So those who are single, make sure you get an angpao from those who are married. <laughs> okay, now, this is the, the Chinese way of saying that you are not married, so you don't have that responsibility. So they think that we are not mature yet. <laughs> okay, I think, right. But for those who are married, first and foremost, they give the uh, uh, red packets to their children. Again, it has something to do with another set of uh, monsters or beasts so that, you know, with the red packets uh, uh, with the children, they wouldn't get uh, eaten by the uh, the beasts or whatever. That's another legend there, okay? I won't go into that. But but the the gifts from, from the, from the uh, parents to the children who are not married and then from married children to their parents, married children to the children of other people, that all these things are sharing of generosity. Again, it's a sharing of generosity. So it's really not just one-sided. It's, uh, it's uh, all um, an, an, what I call, um, sort of like an uh, unwritten kind of understanding that uh, I'm happy to be able to give something to your children. Yeah, so may they, uh, and then also with good wishes that may they excel in their education. May, uh, if they are in business, may you actually be successful in your business and all kind of good wishes. So again, it's another kind of right speech, right intention there, right? Now, of course, these are all mundane eightfold path that I'm talking about, right? If we talk about eightfold path, then we want to go into the super mundane where it can lead you to liberation, right? But if you really look at the Sikulavada Sutta, you can see how Lord Buddha needs to teach householders first how to take care of themselves through the five precepts and all that, Right, through meditation, all this is for self, and then how to take care of your family. Mangala Sutta, which we recite every morning in in NBM, which all of you are so familiar with. What is it there? You have got to take care of your your father, mother, of course, wife and children. So, guys, are you doing that? The Buddha forgot to to uh, didn't he, he? I don't think he for, he forgot because at that time it was a patriarchal kind of society where the men actually takes care of women. But now women are also taking care of husbands and children and grandchildren, grandparents, everything. Women are doing the same thing too, right? So conditions are changing. So the the Mangala Sutta has a lot of blessings in there. Uh, how can they be considered blessings? Is because when we practice those virtues, right? then it is a blessing on us because, you know, it makes us pure, it makes us kind, right? Purification of body, speech, and mind, yeah. So the Mangala Sutta is uh, something that starts from the very mundane uh, householder's life all the way slowly to probably uh, uh, entering into the door of Dhamma and then going further up to uh, uh, entering into a deeper level of understanding of the truth and then finally going into a state of holiness. So the Mangala Sutta, the, the Buddha's teaching on Mangala Sutta starts from the householder's life, your duties and responsibility. Same with the, the Sigalavada Sutta also, how to take care of uh, uh, the six directions. That means uh, your, your, your boss, your workers, your teachers, your parents and your, your children, your servants, your workers, everyone, friends, everything is there. It's all mundane. So 
doesn't mean that when we are doing something mundane, we are not practicing. It doesn't mean that when we are doing something so-called mundane to us, it is not Dhamma. It is actually paving the way into a more profound level of practicing the Dhamma until we can see emptiness. But before we can see emptiness, before we can see anatta even, non-self, we have to start from all these mundane kind of qualities of the heart and then it paved the way for us to really understand the deeper teachings of Lord Buddha, which not all people can understand or accept, right? right? But at least the mundane part, a lot of people can, can uh, accept in their family life, how to be good to one another, how to care for each other, duties and responsibilities of each and everyone. Right, we all have many, many uh, roles to play. I'm a daughter to my parents. I'm a uh, um, those who are married, a mother of someone, a sister to someone, right, an auntie to someone, a grandchild of someone. We have many roles to play, and we have to, uh, 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 how to say, um, um, do it with uh, the correct compassion and wisdom, not just following a simple pattern. Because as, a, as we all know, all conditions are different. It arises and it ceases, arises and ceases. So we cannot just follow a simple uh, uh, regulation or a simple principle to say that, okay, with this, I have to behave this way. With that person, I have to behave this way. You have to look at a situation. So all these are what we call compassion with wisdom coming into play. And that is all the Buddha's teaching. It's all embodied in the Buddha's teaching, right? So the Buddha's teaching is mainly just uh, a very simple thing uh, for those who prefer to just enjoy the mundane life and then for those who really want to go into uh, ending of sansara, then there's another level for us to go into. It is up to us to choose, right? Now, that's another thing about Chinese New Year that I shouldn't miss out and I really, I really um, um, am very appreciative of those people who do this at least once a year. On the first day of New Year, people like to start the day off good, so, many of those who are not vegetarian, many of those will become vegetarian for one day. One day a year, I start the day off by not killing any animals, by being pure in my food. Do you have that in your... <laughs> yeah. Hong Kong is probably the same too. One day a year, they become vegetarian. Well, at least it's a big relief for all the animals. Whew, I'm not going to be killed today. Yeah. But still, there's a lot of celebration that involves a lot of killing, right? So, of course, vegetarianism, again, is something that people do think is really worthwhile and praiseworthy. Otherwise, why do the non-vegetarian uh, Chinese opt for a vegetarian meal on the first day of New Year? To start the, the, the year of pure, no harming, no killing, pure. Okay, then they must eat lots of what? Greens. Why greens? When you have a lion dance, you have a green salad plant hanging on top just to test their skills. Why green? What does green signify? Green plants. What does it signify? Energy. Life. Correct? When a plant is brown, decaying, you can, cannot find nutrients there. No energy. Right? So anything that is green is full of energy and it's living. It's living cells there. That's why we have all these green things. Right? So a lot of significance there. Now, again, the Buddha has mentioned, if I remember correctly, I think it's in the um, 
I oh no, maybe Anguttara or Sanyutta, I can't remember where I read it. The Buddha says that all of us need to have at least a good digestive system. We have to have at least good health in order to practice. Right? So it's not just taking care of your mental purification. You also got to take care of our body. Now, not with attachment, but we need to take care. Even the Buddha goes to Jivika when he's not feeling good. Jivika is taking care of the Buddha and his Aryan uh, disciples and uh, monks and nuns too. I'm not sure about nuns, but monks, yes, we heard. Uh, Ajahn, I don't, I don't know whether Jivika actually takes care of the nuns. It's not, it's not written or heard of, yeah. But at least uh, Jivika takes care of the Buddha and his disciples. And what does that show? If you are sick and if you think you can get help from the doctors, please go for it. Don't just say, ah, it's my karma. I'm destined to suffer. Let me suffer. Yeah. Okay. So please be practical. Treasure this life. This human life is so hard to come by. Treasure this life. As long as you can get help, please go and get help. All right. Until you become arahang, you want to throw your body away. Fine. It's okay. But we still have a long, long way to go. We still need this body to practice. Okay? All right. So these are more or less the significance of the Lunar New Year celebration. Ah, there's another thing that they're preparing. Now, someone was mentioning about the, what do you call the low hair? What do you call it in English? I have no idea. What is the low hair in English call? You know where they, they toss all the the shredded vegetables and then you, you just uh, wish each other something very nice and all. Now that is not actually part of the traditional Lunar uh, New Year celebration. It was some smart businessman who wanted to earn money with very cheap raw materials and then they gave it such a good name. But it took off so successfully. It has been followed in so many countries now. Lohei. Yeah, so of course, those of them who are not vegetarian, they'll put raw fish pieces in there. But frankly speaking, I don't advise you to eat raw fishes nowadays. We don't know what is happening to the pollution of the water and the fishes and all that, right? So vegetarians, what did they put? They put coconut flesh. Yeah, so very, very uh, uh, nutritious. Again, all the vegetables are shredded and they're all tossed. And then the higher you toss, the, uh, is, is supposed to uh, uh, I mean uh, you get uh, very successful. You can climb the, uh, the successful ladder higher and higher and higher. Yeah, but it depends on what kind of success and happiness you are looking for in life. I think for us monastics here, I think we are very contented with what we have. Whether we do the tossing or not, we are still contented. Yeah, so all these things are there. It's just to wish one another, hey, have a very happy new year. May you be successful. May you be healthy. And may you have all this harmony and peace and happiness. And then, of course, in the Buddhist monasteries, we say, Fu Hui Swang Siu. Fu is blessings. Hui is wisdom. May you increase, okay, in blessings and wisdom until you can get off samsara. Okay. So that concludes my sharing for today. Any questions or any complaints? Ayopika, you have been uttering all this nonsense today. <laughs> okay, you're most welcome, please. Yeah. Anyone who wants to make a comment? Uh, thank you, Aya. We have um, quite a few um, messages of, of appreciation. So oh, my really goodness, I forgot I'm online. Off, so thank you. <laughs> okay. So, so for anyone who wants to ask a question, we've gone back to our pre-COVID mic passing policy. So um, if anyone wants to ask a question, you can you feel free to put your hand up and I'll 
I'll pass the mic to you. Nothing. All happy? Have a clearer understanding of what Lunar New Year celebration is? Yeah, so next year we get the lion dance in? Yeah. Okay, question? No question? Oh, beautiful. Good. So. I can ask a question? Yes, Ajahn. Oh dear, I'm being tested. I thank you very much for the talk, and we really appreciate you and, and all the, uh, uh, the monastic community coming along today. It's a nice show of solidarity, so I think everybody here appreciates it and appreciates a, a, a different perspective and telling us about telling us about the Lunar New Year. So my, my question is, it's, it, was a, it was a very inspiring talk of, of what uh, uh, developing these uh, aspects of generosity on this day. And it's good, you, you said it's a reminder to be generous and to be kind and to be giving. So do you, and that's, that's great, this is a salient reminder that this is the day to do this, but do you have any advice about how to actually transmute that to the rest of the year as well? How do you keep that in mind of actually yeah. trying to be generous and kind to people and, and helping the people that maybe get a little bit overlooked in society? Right. So Thank you, Ajahn. Yeah, I think that's very important. You see, for us, um, um, usually um, we take things for granted and we think that we are entitled to some kind of special treatments and all those things, right? Forgetting that there are lots of people we need to be grateful for, um, for what we have and for uh, what we are right now. Now, I'm not sure again, because I, I was trained in Taiwan, we have been given lots of uh, reminders to be appreciative, to be grateful. So first and foremost, the emphasis in our monastery, you can ask the nuns, no wastage, okay? Treasure what you are given, okay? And always try to be kind, but with wisdom. You cannot be kind without wisdom. You get the whole community into trouble. All right? Always all those things. Now, the, the thing is, uh, how do we remember all these things every day? In, in our training monasteries, okay, before we eat, I, I'm, and the contemplation that we get, I mean, it's not so much of um, how we need to be grateful, but the contemplation of when we are receiving requisites or wearing the robe, the four requisites that the monastics have, okay? Now, this can actually apply to the lay people too. When you are eating a meal, when you have actually something uh, uh, coming uh, uh, as a gift or whatever, uh, what is the first reaction? Thank you so much or... Uh, it's not something I need or something like that. A lot of times we may fall into these kind of traps where you know we, we, we don't feel really uh, appreciative of what we get. Yeah. But in our teachings that our teachers give us in the training monasteries, okay, not all teachers, but some teachers actually do remind us that every time we take a meal, okay, especially if meal time, right? First and foremost, who are we grateful to? Tian the heavens and the earth, Mother Nature. Why? Because without earth, without rain, without sun, without uh, uh, all the oxygen, all that, plants can't grow, animals can't uh, be reared. The first one to be grateful to, Tian Di Da Tian is heaven, Di is earth, Da is the whole 
uh, atmosphere of nature, the whole sphere of nature. Without all this, we can't survive. Can we survive without oxygen? We can't. Right. So it's at, usually at the time of eating food, we are taught to do all this contemplation. Then the second, the second thing that we need, the second uh, group of people we need to be um, grateful to is how did this food get to the table? So the the people of the 10 directions who have been working so hard Right from the time they plant or from the time they rear the animals or whatever, from the time things are done, the whole process for it to come to the supermarkets and all that to sell. Right, these are the group of people who have been slaughtered, uh, what calls uh, toiling day in day out in the sun, in the rain, in the whatever, getting very meager payments sometimes. Right, maybe some farmers are rich, but a lot of workers are not rich, and they are the ones doing a lot of work. So these are the people that we have to be grateful to. All right. Now, the next group of people, the people who actually buy the food and give us the food and those who help also. So we also have to be grateful to those who give us the dana. All right. Those who help to prepare. There are so many people, the people in the supermarket and all that, so many people, you can never be able to name all the people there, the groups of people involved. So generally, we make a very general kind of uh, gratefulness uh, reflection that we want to thank all of you for this food that has come to me or for this requisite that has come to me because everything just don't drop from the sky. It needs a lot of effort from a lot of people, right? Now, so these are the three triggers, Tintifu, Mutatsuran. Uh, the 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 dana givers the 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 food farm means are uh, the uh, volunteers and supporters and our taoyu our our monastic friends and our spiritual friends who support us many times when a meal is being prepared you can see how many people are hard working behind after the meal who is washing who is cleaning sweeping up clearing the rubbish after this talk who has to take care of these things who has to clean up the uh, the hall. We take for granted. I come here, it's Sunday, I go for a Dhamma talk. Do I stay behind to help? Do I put in a donation to pay the electricity or the water? Do I help by washing after my meal? Well, I only came here, I only took a little bit of food. It doesn't matter, other people can do it. Do I wash the toilets or that? All these things are daily reminders that we can do. Yeah, especially for us who stay in the monastery. We meet with so many people every time. That's why every time we have to ask, can you please help, can you please help? Because we can't do everything by ourselves. We have our limitations. So all these things are reminders, daily reminders, right? Okay. Now, the Buddha in the Vinaya says that the earth is a one faculty. It's in the Vinaya, I think. Earth is one faculty uh, being. Plants are one faculty beings. That's why we have to be very, great, be very grateful for them to be there to sustain our body. All these things are there, right? That's why we don't just go around chopping off trees and all those things unless they pose a danger to humans or property. Otherwise, we don't go around just chopping them off, right? So all these things are daily things that we need to remind ourselves. Now, what about the other uh, set of um, teachings that our teacher used to give us? Always be grateful to the Buddha, Dhamma, and Sangha. Of course, um, Buddha is not here anymore, but how, how do 
uh, uh, how do you know uh, whether the Buddha is worth being uh, grateful to or not? Look at the Dharma. Look at the Dharma he has left behind for us. Look at the teachings that he taught to his Holy Sangha. There are still Holy Sangha in this world as long as there are people uh, uh, practicing the precepts, uh, the Noble Eightfold Path, right? There will be Aryans in this world, right? So the, the teaching is be very grateful to the Buddha, Dhamma, and Sangha. Now, if you look at what the Lord Buddha has left behind, if I still haven't had time to read through the whole Tripitaka, but already what Lord Buddha has revealed in his teachings, I can tell you, who else can I look up to for refuge? If I don't trust Lord Buddha and his teachings, who else can I look up to? No one can compare to what he has left behind for us. The, the what they call the discrimination, the categorizing, and all this sort of yana 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 differences. It's not done by Buddha. It's all man-made. Those who are not enlightened, right? If you really look at the 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 teachings of Lord Buddha, my goodness, you will not not give up Buddhism at all. But you have to learn the correct teachings of Lord Buddha, not those with superstition, not those with so much, uh, uh, what I call, other things thrown in. I wouldn't say too much, okay? It's up to us individuals to open our eyes wide. Who are the Sangha who's practicing the Buddha's teaching? Right? Now, we don't just go by the external forms. We really have to understand the practice of the Sangha. A lot of times we misread people. A kindness, a kind act of a sangha can be taken as something that is not kind because you don't understand the whole process. You only see a section. This is the reason why we always request uh, the people who go up to Newberry, please don't record our talks because unless you record the whole talk from beginning to end, you don't record. If you record something that we are trying to compare, you, you just record the, the negative comparison, the positive one you don't compare, you say, oh, I hope because it is. So dangerous. We are expounding uh, wrong Dhamma. So not good. Yeah, so have the confidence in the Buddha, Dhamma, and Sangha. Yeah. And the teachings of uh, the, what they call the, um, the impermanence and, and suffering and uh, non-self. We always try to think that we can control a lot of things. You can't. It's all cause and conditions arising and ceasing. Yeah, of course, Ajahn Brahm says something deeper, as I always say. He says we are just part of nature. There's no doer, no driver, no being there. How many of us can really understand that? That's profound. Our eye is so big, our ego is so big. You don't have to saw me limb by limb. You just got to call me a fat pig or whatever. I'll probably bite you back. The Buddha's teaching is so profound. Our ego is so big. If we are able to see that, then it's a daily reminder, right? That's why it's very important to live in a community, not by yourself. If you are by yourself, you think you are good, but no, get tested. Get tested. So then you can really understand what Buddha's teachings. Yeah. So having um, a gratefulness to the Buddha, Dhamma, and Sangha, the, the, the Holy Sangha there, of course, you know, collectively we're a Sangha, that's why the Buddha says, don't just go to one, don't guru worship, just support the whole Sangha and whoever uh, teachings you can have affinity with and have faith and trust in them, please follow the teacher. Don't jump from teacher to teacher and then after that you get yourself so confused. What is Buddhism? Who is my teacher? I do not know. Especially when it comes to meditation and all this uh, more in-depth kind of um, instructions. Don't just hop around. 
Yeah, when it's when a teacher teaches you something that really gives you a direction to improve yourself, then you are you have a good teacher. Something that leads you away from greed, hatred, delusion, ego, the big self, and wrong views. Yeah, we have to be humble. The more we practice, the more humble we become. It doesn't mean that you are humble until my my teacher always tell tell us don't become a strawberry clan. You know what that means? Just a little few 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 harsh words, and you are like squashed like a strawberry. Just just hold it a little bit tighter and squash. My teacher say if you want to be a Buddhist, especially for us monastics, be a warrior clan like Lord Buddha, Sakya clan. We are tested, but we need to be tough. Hey, very very familiar words, right? Sirjuf, tough but not difficult. Tough with compassion and wisdom, not tough to make other people's life miserable. So triple gem, okay, and also our parents, okay, the second group, our parents, gratefulness to our parents, okay. I, 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 from what I'm hearing, some parents are difficult. I think. I've never lived with them, but I'm hearing. So there are some parents whom the children really fear. Now we do not know why. I have no answer to that, but of course there's always the cause and effect thing there, right? So second, second uh, group of people to be grateful to is our parents. That's why I always tease our birthday boys and girls, no matter how old they are in Newberry. Your birthday today, okay? Mom reads the life to bring us out into this world. What are you doing for her today? <laughs> If she's alive or whatever, I always tease them. Parents, gratefulness to parents. Okay, the third one is our government. Our government is doing so much for us. We take for granted. A lot of us we complain and complain and complain. Oh, government didn't give me that. Ah,、oh, government tax me so much. Ah,、oh, government do this. Ah,、oh, government do that. Or never do this or never do that. So easy to just complain, right? So. What we call is a Pao a Guo An Guo is country. So be grateful to the country which gives us peace and security. Nothing is perfect because we all have our individual karma, and also the whole country has so many uh, uh, people to take care of. Nothing, no one can do a perfect job. Even the Buddha couldn't do it. How do you expect the government to be able to do it? Right, so the country's、uh, gratefulness. The the fourth gratefulness is Bao, uh, 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 what do you call um, uh, uh, the the beings, the be grateful to the beings who have benefited us. And this is the reason: the beings can be unseen beings or beings around us. Even sometimes an animal can benefit us. Right, they can help us sometimes. They can actually help us to understand more about nature. So, Tongsen、uh, An, they call it Tongsen An. Yeah. So all these things are what we need to be grateful、uh, towards. Yeah. So all these kind of gratefulness、uh, reflections every day. When we have something going well for us, we need to be very grateful. When we have something not very bad, as Anjan Bram said, don't don't just look at the two bad bricks. Look at the ninety-eight good bricks. We always like to look at people's faults. Just zero in on the faults. They can do a thousand things that is good and beneficial to you. They just need to do one thing which you think is not good, and that's the end of that person. Through your email, through your WhatsApp, through your whatever media, this person is already a condemned bad person. Please be careful. Don't don't fall into that trap. That's really false speech, right? So all these things are reminders for us to on a daily basis. Ajahn, did I answer your question?
Yes, that's a very good answer. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Okay. No more. No more. Can I request for one more thing? There is one line on. Well, there is one question online. Okay. Would like to take it if we've got. We're, we're actually on time now. But it's okay. It's um. Where is it? Question. Why are monistics not allowed to discuss their experiences of jhanas to non-monistics? Are there exceptions to this rule? Why? What's the question again? Why are monistics not allowed to discuss their experiences of jhana? Ah, okay, okay. Now, it's are in our Vinaya rule. It's in our Vinaya rule that monastics are not supposed to, ex to discuss experiences with the lay people, but we can discuss with uh, our monastics brother among sister nuns. We can do that. Now, I think the reason is probably, um, I, I feel that the reason is probably sometimes if it's due to overestimation, we actually will be misleading people, right? And then also, uh, if you really discuss about your true experiences, you may you may fall into the trap of wanting to have someone guru worship you or giving you more uh, gains and, 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 and something else to, to make you feel important and all those things. So I feel that uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure whether Ajahn has more things to add on Ajahn. You have the mic with you. Yeah. Yeah, but it is our rule. Yeah. I think that covers it. I mean, I think mainly the gains too, because you attract people, like uh, Venerable Devadatta. He attracted a whole following in the lay community as well as amongst the monks and nuns due to his psychic abilities, which he he uh, displayed. People knew about, and that's based on deep meditation. So, I think that's the the principal reason for not telling people about one's. Um, psychic ability about one's experience of deep meditation jhanas and so on and the, the Lord Buddha was really not encouraging a lot of display of these things because he's encouraging development of you uh, definitely of deep meditation but wisdom so uh, he wasn't encouraging these uh, uh, breaking up the Sangha into uh, groups as it were based on what people think is, oh, I'll support this monk, not that monk. Mm. And so you end up with some of the Sangha being neglected and they may well have very good meditation, but nobody knows about it. So I think that's a large, large reason. And the Lord would always point out that gain, honour and renown are a poison. <laughs> and this is, is very true, that somebody who gets quite famous, it can really... Uh, sidetrack their progress of the Noble Eightfold Path because they get taken up with this fame. They get very busy with that fame too. And so it can be uh, uh, quite harmful for their development as well. So just those few. Thank you, Ajahn. Thank you very much for the talk today. Thank I've got a much better so idea and a good feeling for the Lunar New Year, that energy today, you know, Thank that you. joyfulness. And hopefully... As I think Ajahn Sadhu is trying to point out, we can keep it going through the year. <laughs> May the new year be not just one day. Let's keep the energy of goodness going for the whole year. Thank you, Thank you Ajahn. Thank you, and yeah. thank the other nuns too. Is that, is that all? Any questions? Just, uh, yes. Uh, thank you, Aya. Thank you very much for the talk today. And uh, just to remind everyone who is here, anyone who is interested in offering uh, Incense, we place some incense at the outdoor shrine where the Buddha statue is. Please feel free to go and light up the incense if you wish to. 
And uh, secondly, also I would like to say that we've placed some envelopes, uh, festival envelopes, over at the back of the hall, if anybody is uh, interested in doing the traditional offering. But because our monastic don't accept money as money, you could pay uh, the money in the office. Yasmin is there, I'm there. You can pay, we will issue a receipt to you. You can put that receipt into that uh, special envelope and right. offer it to the monastic. That's okay. the thing. And Thank just you. one more announcement, that uh, the lay Dhamma talks, the, the Dhamma discussion, every month will be held on the first Sunday uh, of the month. And we've just changed that we will have the talk at uh, the discussion at 12 p.m. after lunch, and it will be held at the library, first Sunday of every month at 12.30. Sorry, at 12 o'clock. 12 o'clock, not 12.30. Thank you. I was just going to mention to Chinta that we have these donation slips that people can write in what they've donated, what they've put in the donation box and offer it to a Sangha member, the yeah. donation slip. I don't know if yeah. you've seen This it. is just for today. We've got yeah. those uh, Chinese, the, the, unpowered, the, red, yeah, the red envelopes uh, for envelopes, the occasion. Yeah. Very, That's what I'm yeah, talking about. Good. Yes, thank you. Okay, um, Arjan, uh, I do not know whether Shiruth is able to bring up the um, dedication of merits to the devas. If not, the, the Sangha will just chant it because I really want to take this opportunity to do the dedication of merits to the Akasata and the Etabata. Is it difficult? Otherwise, okay. So it's okay then. Then, then the Sangha will do the uh, chanting because we really want to start the day off uh, good, good in the beginning, good in the middle, good at the end. Okay, so uh, um, if you can um, join us, I'm quite sure many of you actually can chant through memory. We start with Namatasa three times and then we go into the three verses of Akasata and three verses of Etavata and the last part is for our departed loved ones. Okay, so let's chant together. Okay, put our palms together and share all these merits with every being uh, around us. Okay. Namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhassa Namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhassa Namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhassa Akasatta chabumatta deva nagamahitika punyang tang anumoditwa charang rakkantulokasasanang Akasatta chabumatta deva nagamahitika punyang tang anumoditwa charang rakkantudesanang Akasatta chabumatta deva nagamahitika punyang tang anumoditwa charang rakkantumang parangti etavata chamhehi sampadang punya sampadang sabbe deva anumodantu sabbe sampatti sittiya etavata chamhehi sampadang punya sampadang sabbe buta anumodantu sabbe sampatti sittiya 
So please take care of yourself well. And then the next celebration will be the Sinhalese and Thai New Year. We are going to make it rowdy if we can. Okay, so let's pay respect to the Buddha, Dhamma, and Sangha.